just by show of hands, how many of you would acknowledge that our church moms, and all of us have a bunch of them, I walked into a room full of them this morning, our church moms are super awesome. Amen? And we've got some great, great ladies here, and uh, very proud of that. Um, I'd like to thank my mom for uh, teaching my brothers, uh, my older brother and my younger brother particularly, um, that murder was a sin. That saved my life numerous times because he didn't want to get in that much trouble with mom and God. So I'm grateful for that. It's interesting to me to listen because all the Gibbons testimonies had to do with preservation of life. So <laughs> listen, listen to Andy and the rest of them talk about how we're just glad, you know, and forgiveness and all that good stuff. So I don't know what's going on in our family, but it's challenging. So. But we are glad you're here today, ladies, and uh, we just want to honor you. I want to share just some simple scriptures with you this morning, part of our Family Matters series. And uh, I want to just talk to you about three awesome privileges that mothers have. Um, I'm very concerned, by the way, about millennial moms and my, our millennial moms that are here. Don't panic. I'm not going to preach at you, just to you. <laughs> um, but the next generation of mothers um, are, are, are challenged in the culture and part of what we've been sharing the last two weeks has to do with our cultural issues um, and how the, the culture that we live in is cursed by sin. And sin is multiplying rapidly throughout our culture. And if we're not careful, we let it into our home and we let it into our value system. And all of a sudden we have a cursed family and we live under a whole lot of different problems. Last week we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and uh, we're actually going to start there once again. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to the old ancient book of Deuteronomy, the second law is what Deuteronomy means. And we've been using a theme verse kind of regularly in our Family Matters series that um, the, the theme that we're working off of um, is that God says to Jeremiah, go to the ancient path. Find someone with ancient wisdom and follow that wisdom. And of course, Deuteronomy is about as ancient as it gets. And so we've been building on that. But there's three things I want you to understand this morning about motherhood. And uh, honestly, as I was praying, even with the elders in my office early this morning, um, I was saying, Lord, there's some moms here who could do a way better job at teaching this than I could. So I totally understand that I am not the master teacher of this information. Um, but the Holy Spirit is going to be our guide today. But the three things that, that come to mind when you think about motherhood are instructions, inspiration, and then ultimately, ultimately, um, you want them to, to find a way to integrate an integration of the child and the family uh, into our culture with the message of the gospel. So just want to talk to you about the instructions first. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1. Um, we, we studied this last week. I'm going to read from the NIV uh, in my notes today, Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 says, These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directs me to teach you, Moses talking to the Israelites, to observe in the land that you are crossing uh, the Jordan to possess, so that your, now watch this, verse 2, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Verse 2 is real simple because M Moses is quoting God to say He cares about all the generations, your children, your children's children. God is always looking in, at the depth of a family. And uh, we don't need to think shallow when we think about family. We have to think about the depth of it. And I'm so honored to be with some of you uh, grandmas here that have invested in the grandchildren, the gospel. Um, we, we've In our family, none of us 
uh, would be Christians in our family of Rachel Maples, my mother's mother, um, hadn't really worked hard on all of us to get us into church. And I sat at Liberty Park Baptist Church in uh, Crichton, uh, down here in Crichton. I sat next to Grandma. Uh, Grandma uh, Maples couldn't read. She was, you know, from a generation never been taught to read. She sat there with her Bible in her lap like she knew what she was doing. And she fed me and my brother Luden's cough drops. To this day, if I smell a Luden's cough drop, I feel like I need to go to sleep. So, um, but she just fed us cough drops to keep us quiet the whole service. But she made sure we were in Liberty Park Baptist Church every Sunday morning. Our parents were running the restaurant. And so she'd make sure to pick us up and get us to church, Sunday school and church. And, and her inspiration to all of us as a family is huge. And I brought that to us. So here's God telling Israelites through Moses, your children and your children's children are going to be affected by this. And here's what you're supposed to do. Um, by keeping all his decrees that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your fathers, Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We talked about this last week. And if you, if you look online, you can get the whole message that goes with this passage. It's beautiful. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And when we studied this last week, we talked very specifically um, that our, our, the responsibility of all of us as parents um, is to infect... Inf our kids' hearts with the gospel and to impress that upon them. Um, and I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. This is a beautiful little verse. Um, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Do not forsake your mother's teachings. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. A chain to adorn your neck. Your instructions as parents, as mothers should lead your children to a closer walk with Christ. That's the whole goal. And I'm, I'm asking you ladies, I, I know you know this probably better than I do, but the best thing you can ever do for your kids is to teach them to love Christ and walk with Him, to walk close to Him. Testify of God often. The passage in Deuteronomy that Luke that last week says, as you're walking along, walking and talking, remember the instructions are not formal instructions. The, the word used in Deuteronomy we talked about last week is not a, it, it's not a lecture. You're not having a devotion with them. You're not sitting down and saying, all right, everybody get around me. Here's some notepads. Here's some pencils. Here's some highlighters. I'm going to go through this Bible verse with you. I want you to write down the key words. I'm going to put a little thing on the chalkboard for you. It's not that. It's literally as you're walking through life, you give instruction to your children about the things of God. When you have conflict at work, when you have, when you come home stressed out, you teach your children how you're going to God with that conflict. When you have issues in your life that are, that are difficult, they watch you. And if you will show them how to go to God and find the, the peace of God. I was noticing in our song set today when, when we were singing uh, Always, it talks about chaos abounding. I'm like, well, that's motherhood, chaos abounding some days, right? You got you know tons of home responsibilities. You got your work responsibilities, your family. You know, then somebody throws in a... You know, a few birthday parties and a few activities you got to get to. And, you know, we got to go watch the kids do soccer kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you're just running in chaos. 
Well, in all of that, you can teach your children how you're resting and following God. Testify to them of God often. Remember the instructions are not to be formal, but just as you walk and you talk. And uh, have them embrace the wisdom. Embrace the wisdom um, that comes from God to you. Now, part of that means some of us have to slow down enough to get the wisdom. You know, we have to slow our lives down just enough to listen and to connect with God so that He does create that peace for you as mom. So He creates that place of, of assurance that you have in your heart. Um, second thing I want to remind you of is that you need to be an inspiration to your children. And uh, Brother Warren mentioned about grandmothers uh, as well as mothers this morning. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, or Second Timothy chapter 1 actually, uh, verses 3 through 7. It's a great passage about the two ladies, Lois and Eunice. They're famous characters of the Bible. And they inspire the, one of the greatest New Testament characters for me. Timothy is one of my heroes of heroes in the Bible. Um, a lot of people don't spend a lot of time studying on him, but man, he is an amazing guy. And uh, just to give you a sample of that, it's not going to be in your notes. I'm going to shift gears for a minute and tell you. But in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read this to you. You don't need to turn there if you want to work towards finding Second Timothy. Timothy's in the T's, by the way. Timothy's and Titus's and Thessalonians are all together. But Philippians chapter 2, listen to what Paul says about Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus, Paul tells the, the church at Philippi, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. So Paul's got this church he's planted at Philippi. He says, man, I really need to get Timothy over there to help you guys. And Paul considers Timothy a son. He's not his physical son, but he is his spiritual son. He thinks of him as a son. And he says, listen to what he says about Timothy. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for everyone else seeks after their own interest not those of Christ. Here's what Paul says about Timothy. He's the one guy I know for sure. When I send him to check on you, my friends, and my church, he is not concerned about himself. He's not concerned about anything but the interest of Christ. What interests Christ interests Timothy. So Timothy's not going to get sidetracked by the culture. So Timothy is not concerned about cultural issues as much as he's concerned about the things that concern Christ. Now, that's an amazing character of a guy. Well, where did he get all that from? He got it from his grandparents and his, his grandmother and his mother. Second Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve um, as my forefathers did, Paul writes, with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul telling Timothy, I'm praying for you all the time. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and and I am persuaded that now lives in you. So Paul says, you know what? I, I've met your family, and your grandmother is the one that started this whole deal of sincere faith. Grandma to mom to you, Timothy. That's how it works. And we got Rachel Maples and Levada Givens and Stan and Mark and Lynn and the rest of us. And there's a whole slew of them here. So that, that faith rests for us back at, at, at Rachel Maples for us. And, and for here, it's Lois and Eunice. And Paul says, for this reason, I reminded you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Paul tells Timothy, hey, that sincere faith that you have from your family, 
Don't let it die. Fan it out and, and express it. Move forward with it. Don't be timid about that. Tim, Timothy's family were disciple-making mothers. They were mothers who said, you know, we're going to disciple our children in the Lord. We're not just going to drag them to Sunday school and make sure they get there and hope the church pulls that off. It was the, the parents and the grandparents that made sure the children hear the message. So I'm going to say to all of you as parents, now if you bring your kids to our church, we really want you to do that. Okay, bring them to our church, and we will minister to them. They're in children's church right now. Brother Robert getting a great Bible lesson. Wednesday night Pioneer Clubs, great teaching time with with Andy and Emily and Lauren and Matt and others there. It's awesome. Okay, so we will help your children. But somebody sent me a. I'm trying to remember who sent that this week. Somebody sent me a Facebook message. I think Amy Presnell sent me a Facebook message this week with a picture that that showed how much time parent, church leaders church teachers have with kids that are in the church. It's a tiny little bit per week. And then how much time, how many hours per week the school has them and how many hours per week the family has them. And, you know, the church just gets a little shot at it. So the real teaching, the real instruction, the real model has to come from you, the parents. You have to model these things. And that's what happened with Lois and Eunice. They were models of, of women who followed Christ and who loved them. Christ, they had a sincere faith. And they were able to be disciple-making mothers. Now, those come in all shapes and sizes. And almost all of us here today testified that some lady in our life discipled us and helped us and made that work for us. I was thinking when I was preparing this message last week, I was thinking about Miss Hazel Duck. Okay, she's a disciple-making mother now. Miss Hazel never had any children of her own. Okay, but just by show of hands, because there's enough old Northside folks here, how many of you were raised by Hazel? <laughs> okay, I still have the scars to prove it, don't we? <laughs> okay, Miss Hazel was like the mother of this church, and even when I came back as pastor, okay, uh, in 2000, all grown up, she was going to be my mother, and she was going to help me figure all of y'all out. Okay, and she stayed right up underneath my wing and kept me out of the cabinets and all the stuff that she protected so well in the church. Okay, didn't let me fool with tablecloths or any of that kind of stuff. But she was also a disciple maker. I distinctly remember a couple of different weeks in, in my ministry here in the early days where some young women, some young folks in our church had gotten in trouble over some issues and they were in bad trouble. And she caught them in a hallway. I remember seeing this one girl. She caught her in the hallway by her shirt collar and said, come in here with me, and drug her to the nursery. Shut the nursery door. She's in there all by herself with her. And I thought, oh, Lordy, Jesus, you know, Miss Hazel's going to take it out on her. And they had a, she told me later, she said, we had to come to Jesus' meeting, and I think everything's going to be okay. But she was disciple maker. She's like, you know, that person's living in sin. We got to fix that. We got to help that. And all of you have the responsibility to be these disciple-making moms and people who have influence over the rest of your culture just really want to encourage you to spread out your influence over the rest of the the folks and and it's not just for your children okay miss hazel knew it was for anybody that walked through the doors you get a chance to minister to them i will do so so <clears throat> now you can inspire your children to love jesus and serve him this is very important out of devotion not duty this is real important millennial generation okay Inspire your children to serve the Lord and love Him out of devotion, not duty. If you do it out of duty, it's bound up in law. It's bound up in God says you have to do this or He won't love you. That's law. And the whole New Testament is written to say the law was crucified on the cross and we now have a relationship with Christ 
and we get to serve him because he's our father and we love blessing our father with our service. We want to be, we're heirs of all his stuff and we want to be a part of his family and his kingdom. So we don't serve him out of duty. We serve him out of devotion. Now you say, how does that translate? It's real simple. When there's a church activity going on, you don't need to whine your way to church, you know, and kick the kids out of the car into the parking lot and go, go on in there and have a good time. Okay? I can't believe I gotta bring you up here one more time, or I gotta help with this. I'm gonna go in there and help in a minute. You can't have an attitude of whininess, you know, or if you don't enjoy serving and expect your kids to love being a part of the work of Christ. You know, when we we're gonna have another serve day. We did it last year. We had this great serve day and I don't even remember the numbers, but just a large number of our church family went out on a Saturday and worked in several homes and yards, and some folks came up here and packed some stuff up for missions, and we just had a great day of doing that, okay? You can't go to a serve day or come help a family with a grumpy, whiny attitude and expect your kids, you know, to turn out to be Timothys. They're not going to be Timothys. You know what they're going to be? They're going to be a generation that goes, man, mom and dad never really loved God. They just made it happen, and I don't want to be a part of that. And and a whole lot of families for generations faked their relationship with God, and they did it out of duty, and it hurt a bunch of us. Some of you stayed out of church for years. For years, you stayed out of church because you were under a family covering or with friends who were serving out of duty, not devotion, and it wasn't pretty. But when people serve out of devotion, it is beautiful. It is beautiful to serve out of devotion. It makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? When people are just excited to be here and have fun and, and love what they get to do, that's the kind of service you're supposed to have. And so <clears throat> very encouraged by that. That's inspirational, by the way. And inspiration, inspiring your children doesn't come with a dose of whininess. You just can't have it. <clears throat> so you have to confess that as sin. The last thing I want to talk to you about this morning as parents and mothers is, is integrating your children into our culture with the message of the gospel, where they have really a biblical worldview as they go through their life. So, um, and I just want to begin by saying, be very careful. The millennial generation's big on this. It touched a little bit of my generation and the younger parents, just a little bit younger than me, a lot, um, about over-insulating children. You know, the whole, you know, you got to pad everything in their life. And, uh, you know, I remember one family um, that we were close to, uh, if you if you went in their home when they had their babies, everything, everything was padded. There were no cor- the the coffee table had no sharp edges on it. The the hearth had no sharp edges on it. If you had to go to the bathroom in a hurry in this house, you were in huge trouble. Okay, because all the handle door handles had those kid handles over the top, the plastic kid handles over the top of them that you have to somehow get your thumb in one hole and twist and turn. Then it'll unlock. Okay, and then if you finally got in the bathroom in a hurry, okay, the toilet seat was locked down so so the baby couldn't fall in and drown in the toilet. <clears throat> Big problem in homes, I guess. <clears throat> but the toilet seat was locked down. There's a little lever you had to figure out where it is and all that. And, uh, and, and I appreciate all that safety stuff, and I'm not saying don't be safe, okay, but I'm saying at some point your children need to be raised, okay, not parents. My parents raised me and Mark and Lynn. They raised us. They didn't parent us to death, and they sure didn't micromanage us. As a matter of fact, so there'll be some testimonies right here. Matter of fact, when you're when you were young, many of us, our age, 
Your parents said, get out of the house and don't come back. Go outside. Go outside and don't come back in. Now, I don't know if they were just napping or what they were doing in there, okay? But I know we weren't allowed back inside. And when we would get thirsty and bang on the door and say we're thirsty, you know what they'd say? Drink from the hose. Yeah, drink from the hose, okay? So I'm just saying, and it, it worked out okay for a bunch of us to drink from the hose and live outside all day long, okay, and get stung by bees and ants and crawl into the house. Mark and I have thought about this old house in Crichton, still there, and uh, all the whole mold issue that everybody gets all freaked out about. If, if mold was really going to kill somebody, we'd have never, we'd have never lived past five because we get under that house. I mean, under that house, and there was mold everywhere in that house. And we just lived in it for years. So I, I don't know how we, I guess God protected us through all that. But there, there's a place for parents to, to, to nurture kids and to actually get them into society. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. And by the way, my, my wife's good at this insulating, uh, not over-insulating deal. I remember when our kids were older. And uh, we'd, we'd homeschool our kids for a long time, and then we put them in private school here when we moved here. And uh, and then when she she wanted to put them into Baker, our finances were strained, and so she's like, we'll just put the boys in Baker. I'm like, in Baker High School? you got to be kidding me. And, I mean, I was freaked out, freaked out by that thought to the point that the first day they went to school, I literally sat stayed at this altar for like six hours praying over my children. Please, God. Let them live through their first day of public high school because they're going to see things and hear things they've never experienced before. She's just fine. She's out teaching, having a good time. Everything's fine. I'm like, ah. Okay, so I understand that the, the desire to over-insulate, but you have to be careful. Proverbs 6, verse 20 says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Bind them upon your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. Listen to this. When you awake... They will speak to you, for these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light, and the correction of discipline or ways of life, keeping you from immoral woman, from the smooth tongue and the wayward wife. The instructions that a healthy mom and dad give to their kids protect them, protect them from harmful things, but you don't so over-insulate them that they never get a chance to be a part of that. The instructions are for life, to help them live life, not to hide and not to, to fear being in the world. There's so many parents now, and I see it in homeschool hubs and groups sometimes where, where parents just want to pull their kids in and not let them experience any part of real um, world stuff. And uh, so they micromanage them, and they follow them everywhere they go. They give them second-by-second second instructions. I remember a family in Birmingham uh, that I was ministering with, and uh, the kids were uh, 16, 18, and 19. And they were under my watch care at the church there. And I would just call them and check on them. And when I would call, it was back in the days when you had a house phone. And when I would call the house, the mom would answer. And I would ask for each kid one at a time. I never got a chance to have the kids answer any question. You know why? Because mom stood right there. I'd say, hey, how'd your week go at school? Oh, it's good, you know, and the kids start talking to mom and go, hey, tell them about this. And I could hear it in the background. I'm like, I'm really not trying to have a conversation with you. 
I want your child to have a conversation with me. You don't have to micromanage his very his phone conversation with his pastor. Are you afraid of what he's going to say to me kind of thing? It's like, can you tell your mom to go outside and check the mail or something so we could have a talk? But you got to be careful about all that because we tend to micromanage. I want you to consider how Jesus loved on his disciples. His disciples were his family. They were his family, right? So in John 17, when he prays for them, he actually prays. Um, I pray, Father, that you don't take them out of this world, but protect them from the evil one. It's like they're going to be in the midst of evil, but you're going to be their protector. And Jesus was teaching the disciples all along. God's going to protect you. He's teaching them how God protects. See, if you overprotect your children against world things, if you overprotect them, they don't learn how to how God is the protector. And there's a thin balance there. I know I know some of this is challenging to you, and there's all kinds of places where we have to be very, very careful in raising our children. But just consider that kids need to struggle, and you learn best when you struggle. This whole everybody gets a trophy thing drives me insane some days. It's like, hey, you know, kid gets a trophy, but he didn't actually come to practice. You know, he missed like 18 of the 22 practices, you know, and he missed three games because he had violin lessons, and we give him a participation trophy and tell him he's a great kid. I'm like, no, you were a terrible part of our team, you know? Love you. Get your parents' priorities in order and come back next year kind of thing. We we overprotect our kids sometimes, and it's dangerous in the culture that we live in. So you young millennial parents are trying to protect them from some sort of and put them in some sort of parallel Christian universe, it's better to teach them how to live in a real world where where there's with real sin, with real people, because you're one of those real people, by the way, and to see a real God. What I want my kids to see is a real God helping me through real life. Because when my kids experience that, ultimately, ultimately, they're excited about God. They're going, whoa, did you see what God did with that? They get to see God at work in my life my wife's life. And once they experience that, now, now we can have a great conversation about how God works in our lives. So don't sanitize our lives and cushion every blow. Just uh, real simple to my millennial friends, uh, safe and happy is not always the best way to raise your children. Um, you, you don't have to be, make sure they're always safe and happy. Um, you just have to make sure they're healthy you have to make sure they're growing, and growing is painful. When Jesus says in Romans 8, 28 and 29, listen to this. You guys know this verse very well. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. We love that verse. Now listen to what it says. For those who foreknew him, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God says all things are going to work together for good, and I'm going to conform you to my son's image. I'm going to tell you the first part of that is great. But for you and I, broken, fallen, sinful, depraved man, to be conformed to a holy God is not an easy journey. God has to work at that with us. And we have to go through trials. And he has to put us in storms. You know why he had the disciples multiple times row out into the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea? Because he knew there's a storm coming and they would learn. And so he put them in tough situations. Don't let your kids, you know, not go through tough situations just because you're afraid for them. Trust God. If God's calling them there, let them go. I remember a couple of years ago when we were on the mission trip uh, to the Dominican and my daughter was with me and, and uh, we were all having a great time and... Late one after or one evening, I'm trying to figure out where's Mary. 
you know, Mary's not up here with us. Oh, she went for a motorcycle ride with whatever that guy's name was that was so crazy about you, our translator, okay? She just went for a motorcycle ride. I'm like, huh? You know, she's on the back of some scooter, you know, with no helmet, by the way. And I don't know if you've seen the way they drive in the Dominican, but it's insane, okay? And she's just off going. And I literally had to calm myself and say, God, you called her on this trip. You know, this is this is her calling. She loves mission work. She's here for you. She's in your hands. And if that boy hurts her, I'll kill him. That's what I got to just let you know, God, I'll go to jail in the Dominican. But you understand, we have to let our kids be free to experience some of those things and grow in their faith. The best way to raise your family is to teach them to risk their faith in God. Teach kids what it means to risk faith. Risk it with your finances. You know, say, we're going to find a way to support this missionary or this mission cause or this extra uh, responsibility we feel need, needed at our ministry that we're serving at. Risk your faith and tell your kids, hey, help us raise some funds for this, kids. You know, we want you all to chip in, and we're going to serve and support this deal. Risk your faith with, with going on a mission trip. Some of you need to sign, say, we want to get on the mission field. I'm talking to a couple of fam, uh, church, uh, missionaries now in Costa Rica, trying to figure all that out and see if we can start a mission work down there with them and get to know that ministry. But there's there's many places you could go. Some of you could just up and go. Um, you put it in your schedule and use your vacation for that. So um, Jesus loved his family, and he discipled them, and he taught them to have courage, okay, convictions, and strength. And then he sent them out. Matter of fact, I was reading that passage the other day where he sent the 70 out. He just sent them out, said, here's the instructions. Remember what I showed you? Go do it like I did it now. Good, go, go. And they went. And he, and by the way, when they went, his instructions were, look, if they welcome you, you know, in the name of Christ, that's great, you do that. If they don't welcome you, you know, which me, meaning some of them are not going to be okay with you coming in trying to share your, the need for repentance and who Christ is. Some of some aren't going to be comfortable with that, but you go to him anyway. And then he tells me, you can dust your feet off when you leave. It's okay. But he's saying it's going to be a tricky deal. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be complicated. So moms, I just want to remind you to teach your children, this is very important, that God is good all the time in the hard times, the dark times, and the light times, and the worst moments, God is still really faithful and good. When you ladies teach your children that lesson, it changes their whole life. That's what my mom taught me through the worst of the worst. And we had some very tough times in our childhood. And uh, we didn't have the perfect family at all. But my mother kept telling me God was good, God was faithful, and God was going to care for us. And I watched her faith in all that bear fruit. And it bore fruit in my life eventually. So last thing I just want to say to you is motherhood is nearly impossible. Motherhood is nearly impossible mission. When you think about the the role of a mother in today's culture, it's almost impossible for you to do it right, apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so our moms that are here today, I just want to make sure that you know that Christ is the centerpiece of all that. God's going to have to help you, um, or you're going to get overwhelmed. So with all your heads bowed and eyes closed, grateful for everyone that's here. Life is impossible without Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, today I'd love for you to have that opportunity. So I'm just going to pray a simple little prayer. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray with the sincerity of your heart.